Well, good morning. I guess I should say Happy New Year too, huh? I, uh, last night I climbed into the attic after the girls went to bed to get out the Christmas boxes and I, I realized somewhere in the midst of that, like we barely blinked and December is gone. Anybody else feel that way? And then yesterday I'm looking at the news feed on my phone and it's blowing up with like New Year's mantras, right? A new year, a new you. It's, you know, it's going through like, okay, now this is how you can get your finances in order. And I'm like, that's an interesting article. And this is how you can lose some weight. And that's an interesting article. And here's how you repair all the relationships in your life. And I'm like, what? This thing seems to know something about me. But I, um, I tell you, I, I was a little overwhelmed. I'm still working on the new me from 2023, but I... I came across this article then that, that told me that this year, today, nearly half of America will make a New Year's resolution. Anybody in the room planning on that? Nearly half of us have come up with a New Year's resolution. Don't kill the messenger. Here's what the article went on to say. 80% of us will fizzle out before the spring hits in our New Year commitment. And it got me thinking, you know, the definition of insanity right? Is what? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So here's my thought for our time together this morning. I want to skip the sermon about how to be a better you in 24. Okay. We're not going to do that. And instead I want to show you that what we really need this year is something entirely different. And here's my idea for us to thrive in 24. What I want to suggest is that we set aside our list of resolutions and instead, first, we focus on what we really need, which is God's revelation. And I want to show you what I mean by that. We're going to turn to Luke 2, chapter 21 through 40, as we come to time to this, this continuation of this story of Jesus as a, as a child, as a baby. And I want you to see how Christ can spark a change in your life that is far better than self-improvement, any plan you could ever come up with on your own. We're going to start right at verse 21. And we're going to read through 40 together, and then I'll show you what I mean. Let's listen to God's word. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother, mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointing for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. 
She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. So if I were to ask you your greatest dream on this side of eternity, your most precious wish for 2024, what would it be? Have you thought about that before? But here's a caveat. What if I told you you can have it, but you can only have it for a day? Or what if I said um, you get to realize your dream, but you only get to realize it for a minute, and then your life would be over? Would you take the offer? You know what I'm asking, right? Um, Simeon and Anna were these two inconspicuous individuals who had waited their entire lives for this Christ child. We're told with all of Israel, they were longing for the consolation of God's people. God's word tells us that, that Israel had been struck with this oppressive regime, this empire from Rome, waiting. And they had been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. These people had been praying for a savior, hoping for a warrior, a, a new king who would usher in a new era for God's people. And yet they had sat for 400 years in silence from the Lord. Nothing crickets. And I love this story, right? This man, Simeon, for his entire life had prayed for this dream to come true. The Spirit of God had told him in time he would see this Christ. And the day finally arrives, but it would be his last. Just picture with me. The temple doors open. The parents walk into the room and they hand Simeon this child in keeping with the law of the firstborn. And as he takes Jesus into his arms, his wildest dreams come true. Like I imagine tears welling up in his eyes. He's overcome, so overcome that he breaks into this, this poetic homily, right? But the lyrics look a bit odd. Look again with me. This is what he says. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. You know what that means? Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit he wouldn't see death until he met this Messiah, and now he knows, though the dream has come true, and Christ is in his arms, it's his final moment. So he begins to pray over the parents. He says, Lord, I can go now. I've seen all that I need to see in this life. You are letting your servant depart in peace. And as he stares at God's revelation in his arms, he's overcome. I mean, help me out here. This is sacred space, right? Simeon's in his last hours on earth. This is hospice. Just consider the weight of that. And yet as death comes upon this man, he's at peace. How is that? See, there's something about this, this revelation that changes a man, right? His entire countenance shifts from this dissonance of, of waiting to the tranquility, the realization of Christ in his arms. And right here in the temple, he claims God's peace. You know, if I was to forecast the weather in 2024, I would have to admit that I'm hopeful for partly cloudy skies with abundant sunshine. But let's be real, right? We can see some clouds on the horizon too. 
And I'm not talking about snowpack, unfortunately. Oh, consider 2024, right? This is an election year. And as with any election year here stateside, it's an unprecedented election year. That's the word we keep hearing, right? But especially this year, unprecedented. We, we know that we're at a crossroads as a country, entirely uncertain of what the future holds. Meanwhile, we're now living in a technological revolution that we really can't even fathom. We know that, that by now they say that AI is bigger than the printing press, which means if there's one guarantee this year, it is colossal change for better or for worse. All the while the world watches as the powers that be yet again wrestle it out. And we could speculate all day long about the future, right? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, 9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. See, so it seems to me we need a revelation long before we talk about our resolutions. I read a well-known devotional earlier this week about how to make lasting change in your life. And it talked about how we, we often come at our behaviors like the trunk of a tree. We, we think, well, if I just lop it off of the ground and start over with a new year, that'll do, right? And yet we know there's, there's roots everywhere that go unchecked that are never dealt with that are our sin. And the fact is, surface solutions really don't work. See, but there's two things that, that happen when Simeon meets this revelation that is Christ. His parents bring out this poor man's offering, a couple of birds for this child. And now as they walk into the temple, everything changes in Simeon's life. First reaction, before he even says a word, look at this Luke 2.24 again. He embraces Jesus Christ. It's that simple, right? Luke tells us he holds him, he takes him in his arms, and he's lost in the moment. Now that's a thought for the new year, right? What if rather than embrace our own plans, what does it look like for us to simply embrace Jesus like that? To let him shine in our life, to reveal the shadows in us, the roots of our hurts and struggles. What else might that change about how you live your days? <coughs> Simeon's at peace. But second, now, now Simeon can't help but respond in praise, we're told. With whatever breath he has left in his lungs. First he takes Jesus into his arms. Then he blesses the Lord with worship on the last day of his life. Now there's a resolution. Let's say 2024 is the last year we get to live. How do we with our dying breath still praise him with worship in our lungs? Well, see, I, I think we forget how an encounter with Jesus changes the room. When you meet God face to face, he'll do the changing, I guarantee it. You won't find a place in scriptures where a man meets God and persists in living as though nothing happened. No, 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 when Jesus comes into your life, when you have an encounter with the divine, there is no casual pattern left, there is no status quo. And yet for some reason we get so caught up, we get fixated on, on the solutions I'm gonna make for my life this year, I'm gonna fix all of my problems, and every year we jump on this treadmill that's going way too fast with our best made plans. And before we know it, we've forgotten who it is that we've encountered and why we're even here. See, I think it's important to understand just how ordinary Simeon and Anna were. There's nothing special about these two. There's nothing that they did to earn the privilege of having this revelation. 
No, Simeon, he's not some Levite or high priest. He's got no temple credentials that we know of. And Anna, she's a prophetess, certainly, but outside of that, we've never heard her name before. In fact, this is the only place in all of Scripture that these two appear. It's kind of a cameo. And so there's nothing superior about these two people that would make them any different than all the ones around them, except for one thing. And that is that they're living their lives by faith. And it's from these faith that these habits of worship begin to develop. And like water carving into a canyon floor, this spirit-given faith now leads them to this revelation of Christ. In fact, three different times in the Gospel of Luke, we're told this is not a man-made plan at all. This was a spirit-driven event. Look again with me at Luke 2, 25 to 27. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he wouldn't see death before the Lord's Christ. And as he came in the Spirit into the temple, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. See, I love how one scholar put it, right? Everyone was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem as they, they made their own plans. But many had already made their own outcome and put it in their own hands. They didn't just wait for a military commander to overthrow the Romans. They were gearing up with weapons for the big day. Others waited by secluding themselves from society, making their own plans to cut themselves off from the world. Some waited by plotting and scheming how to manipulate the powers that be. But Simeon and Anna, they're waiting by faith. I wonder if you were to take a break and, and, and take a good hard look at your life in the last year, 2023, how often would you say you truly relied on the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts and your attitude and your actions? Earlier this fall, I decided I'd try to get up Baldy in record time. I'm always trying to keep up with Brian. I don't know why. So I'm hauling up this mountain and I, I made good time on the way up, caught the view, took the selfie. It was pretty cold early in the morning, so I thought, I'm not going to stay long. I turned around to hop down the shale, and right about, just like 10 steps in, my IT band locked up. I mean, it locked up like it has never done before. My knee hurt so bad, I suddenly couldn't put weight on my foot. And I can't explain it. Like, hadn't happened all summer, miles and miles of hiking. But at this finish line, suddenly I couldn't walk. No hiking poles, no stick, no ibuprofen. For some reason... You know, I'm going up and I'm fine, but coming down, I'm legitimately fretting that I'm going to become another statistic who calls search and rescue. And every step is more excruciating than next. So at one point, I finally stopped under this bush and I, I just started praying. I thought, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but you know about this latest development. So I'm going to need you every step. And I kid you not, every step of the way was a new prayer. Six hours later, I got back to the car and I realized that I sat in the car I have not intentionally prayed like that in a long time. Man, even as your pastor, I'm thinking, my prayer life needs to change. See, follow the analogy with me. When you're running up a mountain on your own, you start getting a bit smug, right? You think, mm, I've been training for this. This is my doing. Every step is my work. When really, it's only by God's grace you can actually get back down the mountain. And I ask myself, why does it take debilitating pain to get us to stop and to seek his face again? See, it's worth noting, I think, right? Simeon was the sixth person to have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit 
in this Christmas story. This revelation was nothing he did. It was all the Lord's work by the Holy Spirit as he waited in faith. You see where I'm going with this? If we started with his revelation, I'll bet all the resolutions would follow. Just think with me. First, the Spirit is with John the Baptist, and what happens? Action. He leaps in the womb. Then it was with Mary, and she says with this Holy Spirit upon her, let it be according to word. Then it was with Elizabeth as they worshiped together. Then Zechariah as he waited in the temple. Then it was Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit is with Simeon. See, and it's important that we see this. Again, I want to belabor the point. Though he was righteous and devout, it's not Simeon's works or his righteousness that allows him to see Jesus. It's, it's not his commitment to another year of improvement or, or perfection or, or self-help mantras. It was the Holy Spirit that led him. Now, I'm a doer, right? So I need a to-do list. It's a new year. We got to come up with some resolutions. So here's a thought. Here's a resolution. What if we just thought about Anna and Simeon's devotion and waiting on God? What if we just made it that? Anna is worshiping, we're told, fasting and prayer in the temple day and night. Simeon is willing not only to listen for the Spirit, but to be led by him. Like, what would be the impact, I wonder, if we would start stop striving to earn God's favor and the favor of those around us, and instead, we made a commitment to start resting in it and waiting on him? How would your life change if in your day you developed a new habit of stopping to embrace the Christ and to wait with them. I wonder how our resolutions would change if we began our day not thinking about me and how I'm going to make myself better this year, but instead we asked the Holy Spirit to lead our day. Now here's my 2024. I'll let you peek in a little bit. I've got goals. I have great hopes for this year. But I realized I don't want to do one of them in my strength. I'm tired of that. Like, it's, it's such a setup for a fail, right? It's why 80% flop. Because we all know ourselves well enough to know that's not going to work. It's by the Spirit that Simeon sees Christ. Again, before we make a, a resolution, what we need is a revelation. It's Jesus who gives us our peace. It's Christ who brings us our strength. It's Jesus who transforms our lives by his sanctification. See, and, and here's why I say that. Unlike our resolutions, Jesus Christ will never fail us. You know that? Right? This revelation of Jesus is, is proof. This, this child in Simeon's arm, it is proof that God is faithful every time. Even when all hope seemed lost. Hundreds of years in silence, an entire lifetime waiting. And this child now proves that what God says he keeps. December 31st. 1907 was the fourth year that the New York Times Square had celebrated the new year. In 1904, the tradition apparently started with fireworks, but they almost burned the city down. So in 1905, they decided to try these flashing light bulbs up on a skyscraper, but they realized that was quite lame and underwhelming. So finally, in 1907, they, they went with the dropping ball. It was 100 lights, 25 light, watt light bulbs heading down on the first go. But rather than the ball landing at precisely midnight with all the bright lights and celebration, for some reason, the engineers decided that they would begin the descent at midnight. Apparently, no one thought of how anticlimactic this would be. Everyone shouts, Happy New Year! And then the ball just slowly drops, and we're wondering what we're doing. 
So finally, in 1908, they got it right. You know, it's fascinating to me how even with the best of intentions, we stumble, right? Sometimes we stumble forward. Sometimes we fall hard on our backs. It's, it's human to error. It's human to fail, to slip, to sin. This is why Jesus came. See, we need a revelation far before we get to a resolution. You know, the earliest documentation of New Year's resolutions began with the ancient Babylonians 4,000 years ago. It was actually a part of a 12-day religious festival to the pagan god Akita. And the idea was if you kept your goals for the new year, then this god would bring you favor. But if you failed in them, you were doomed. And it was your destruction until the next year where you got a new start. And it got me thinking two things. One, I don't have to make a resolution. That's pagan worship. But two, on a more serious note, can you imagine being one of the Babylonians for another year thinking, this year, this is the year I'll get it right. This is the year I'll keep my resolutions. This is the year I'm going to maintain favor with the gods. And can you imagine when you stumbled and slipped, the shame that would have overwhelmed you? You flopped. You failed again. You're not good enough. Your destruction. No, no, no. Simeon and Anna are praising God, embracing Christ, singing his praises. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. At that very hour, Anna is giving thanks to God, spreading the good news across Jerusalem. Now hear me on this. If you want a new start in your life, you don't need a new year. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient every day. His power is made perfect in our weakness. By his revelation, that's how we find salvation. By his strength, that's how we find our sanctification. Now, he's a light, Simeon said, for the revelation of the Gentiles. His parents marveled at what was said about him. But here's the important part. Don't miss this. I'd be remiss if I didn't, miss, if I didn't mention this. Simeon is in the midst of the celebration, right? And suddenly he sobers up with this caution. And he tells Mary, he says, this child will not only be our salvation, but he'll also be the one appointed for the fall and rising of many. A sign that is opposed, a stumbling block. Look at how Isaiah 8.14 prophesied this. Look at this. And he will become a sanctuary for some, but a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Let me put that into English. I want you to see this. This revelation of Christ is a double-edged sword. Some will put their trust in him. Some will marvel at his redemption, embrace him, and worship him in his salvation. Others will scoff and walk away. And the Bible is clear. To do the latter, to have heard the gospel, and to reject it is to refuse God's gift of salvation in your life. I think I've shared with you before, one of the most meaningful images I, I've ever heard of why Jesus came to save us came from my boy R.C. Sproul, he once said, you know, it's not like Jesus came to throw you a life raft as you were treading water in the ocean, making new resolutions to swim harder and, and do better this time. No, it's that Jesus came because you were dead in your sin at the bottom of the ocean, lifeless, lost, helpless. And it's only by the Holy Spirit pulling us up and leading us to Christ that we are saved. See, so tonight, here's my thought. As the ball drops and you consider yet another year gone by, yet another year to come, 
Let me remind you, whatever resolution you make, what we first need is a revelation of Jesus Christ in our lives. And if we're going to resolve to do anything this year, it should be first to follow him. So join me on my little experiment, which is this. If we put our focus first in that place on Jesus Christ and the spirit leads us by his word, I'll bet the rest of your resolve falls into place. Let's ask God to help us with that year, with that to do that this year. Let's pray with me, Lee. God, you are so good, Lord. We come to yet another year, and uh, God, we have made our best made plans. Calendars already abundant with new vacations and to-do lists. Resolutions, God, where we have told ourselves, this will be the year. But God, we know that if we do it in our own strength, it will be for naught. And so, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we pray, would you guide our thoughts this year? Would you keep us mindful of Jesus Christ? Would we join Simeon in simply embracing his gift, marveling, worshiping at what he's done for us? And God, by your Holy Spirit, would you sanctify us by your truth? Would you give us strength to run away from sin and embrace the glory of your name? Jesus, thank you. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.